Okay, so welcome to the Right Eye Dominant Podcast, Yolanda Cuomo, or should I just say Yo, Yo Cuomo? Yeah, that's good. Yo Cuomo. That's my name. All right. I love it. Um, well, thank you for taking time out to to chat with me uh, today. Um, I, uh, I, I, we were just chatting offline a little bit about our common New Jersey roots. And so I already know that that just good energy here for a good conversation. Okay. So just to start off, why don't you fill me in a little bit on, uh, on your backstory, uh, how you got to where you are in, in, in a, a fairly short amount of time. Well, it's not so short if you work all the time. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, my mom was from uh, Italy. She was an immigrant and she missed uh, the piazzas and the walking and where all the people. So she used to take me out walking every night after dinner. And we had a local uh, art school, Pepe Valenti's art school. And, she, and when I was in eighth, uh, I was in third grade. I was so afraid of everything. And she said, would you like to go to art school on Saturday mornings? And I was like, oh, that sounds great. But I have to give up cartoons. She said, yeah. So <laughs> I went to art school and that was like, holy smokes. I met the most popular girl in the third grade in art, at art school. And it gave me courage. And I, I loved, you know, drawing. I couldn't draw. So I'd be up all night, you know, trying to draw. And, and the popular girl was really perfect at it, came natural. So, so I, I did that. My sister, I had an older sister, was fantastic. And she encouraged me. Uh, she was six years older. So she encouraged me to um, do art. And she'd bring me out to Montclair State. Mm. Course, we're immigrant kids. We didn't have any money. So you went to the, you know, the state school. It was 400 bucks a, you know, semester. And she, I, I would cut eighth grade and go out. And uh, she taught me how to print in the dark room. Mm. And I was like, this is magic. And she like lugged me around to Museum of Modern Art bought me a subscription to Aperture, brought me to ICP. And I was just like a kid, but it really stuck. So I was like, I'm studying art. When I get to college, I'm studying art. So of course, I went to Montclair for two years and it was fantastic. Great teachers, but neighborhood super boring. I'm not a suburban kid, so I don't like that. So I um, applied to Cooper Union and I got in and I took my 300 bucks that I saved and I said to my boyfriend, come on, let's go to Europe. And we went to Europe. And at Cooper, I studied uh, uh, photography and film. Uh, but there, it was more like you studied with really great people. Like I I, found, I discovered Hans Hacke, the conceptual uh, sculptor. And uh, Robert Puro is my um, animation teacher. And the photo department was okay. Montclair's was better. But it, hmm. it I started to take... Uh, like Joel Marwitz was one of my teachers and we used to knock heads all the time because I made photographs and I made books. I, I started making books because I had no wall space and I just thought my photos were trapped in those Kodak poly contrast boxes. And so I just didn't know where to put them. So I started making books, spiral books, sewn books, glue bound, stapled books. And I just, kept doing that so um yeah Cooper was great because I got to meet great teachers and great students like that were absolutely obsessed with what they were doing let me let me jump in there because I I I mean so much of your your sort of origin story resonates with me personally just because I'm Italian-American from New Jersey uh second generation so uh but the the description of your 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 path and i i went to jersey city state college that was you know it was you, you just everything you just said i was like yeah exactly um and it's interesting to also hear the value like you had an older sister who was sort of like a introduction to this, right. this this world, and I think like for those of us who grew up on the other side of the river, having that sort of somebody or something that you know that whole world is literally just ten you know, minutes away. It's yeah. like an universe. Yeah, and so, yeah. and but and you you were like, well, I wasn't a you know I wasn't a su suburban kid or whatever, and it's like you know I 
my formative years were up in Bergen County and it was like, you go to the mall, you know, I mean, it's like, so like the art, the world of art or, or photography or New York city, all of that just being so close and tapping into that at such a, you know, an important time. It's just, it's, uh, I understand it so completely. And also the fact that you're, you're I, I didn't actually realize that it was a, sort of a leap from the world of photography into books for you. And so now, you know, that that actually does make a lot more sense to me uh, seeing, you know, and, and one of the reasons why I did want to talk to you was specifically your experience with designing uh, photography books. Um, so... I, I did want to just kind of before we go deeply into that. So uh, f obviously you, you know, you made that decision to create your own books of your, your photographs. How did that lead like that? Clearly that led to where you ended up as a designer. What was that sort of, you know, that transition like? Well, when, when I got out of school, there was no MTV. If there was, I would have gone there because I did animation. So I always liked uh, stories in my books, beginning, middle, and end. So I was trying to, you know, I my parents were like, you can study art, but you better get a job with benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have medical benefits. So I was like, okay. So I worked on my portfolio and I every day I'd go to New York. It took me six months go to New York, knock, 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 no answer. You know, I left my portfolio, read my mystery novels in the hotel, you know, lobbies, went back on my portfolio and I didn't give up. And it, it was because of my parents' deli. And it's, we're you could see Manhattan from down the block. And this woman who is, I, I'm still close to her. She was, Fran, her name is Fran Bull. She was a Soho artist. Wanted to break up with her crazy husband. So she moved to uh, the Palisades Cliffs because she saw it from, you know, in Manhattan. And she used to come to my parents' deli. It was sort of like the Balducci's of the neighborhood, you know. <laughs> and uh, she, they, my dad made that out. My mother made lasagna. And she got very friendly with them. And this is a great story. I was at Montclair, and, uh, you know, my second year there. And they used to have visiting artists from Manhattan. So, uh I ran out of the dark room, went to the auditorium. The lights were going out. And I said to a woman, is this seat taken? And she said, no, no. I said, oh, weren't you slicing my salami on Saturday? And, <laughs> and the lights go down and they go, Brand, uh, introducing Fran Ball, uh, uh, you know, uh, realist uh, painter from OK Harris in Soho. And I go, holy shit. That's the that's the salami lady. <laughs> she's like a great artist, and she lived three blocks from my house. So she um, afterwards, I talked to her, and she was like, "I love your parents so much. They make me feel so you know warm and uh, like I'm, I'm welcomed." And so she got to be great friends with them, and then she loved me that I was studying art, and she was the one who called her friend in Manhattan who knew somebody who worked at Condé Nast. Mm. I was like, I was, you know, I, my sister brought home Ms. Magazine. We did not read any of those bogues, none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, 16 Magazine, Ms. Magazine. So I was like, I don't even know Vogue. But she was like, you have to go there. So she got me an interview at Mademoiselle Magazine. <laughs> and everyone there were, it was women. It was so cool. And then I did research and I found out about Diana Vreeland and she had painted her walls red. I was like, okay, if I have to work someplace, this is the place. And mm. it was like, it became uh, like, and I lied, you know, they were like, do you know how to do mechanicals? And I was like, of course. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I called my friend Debbie. And I said, What's a mechanical? And she started like, you know, registration marks and blue, like blue pencils. And she said, oh, forget it. Just come over. She lived a couple of blocks away and she, pulled out this little Pepsi Cola uh, mechanical and she described to me, you know, it was like a newspaper, one column mechanical for Pepsi. And she said, here, just take this and tell them you made it. So I did. And, but it like the first two weeks, it was like, I was sweating profusely. I didn't know. Oh my God. <laughs> but, but the art director was really great. And um, so that was a great place because it was on that 
I was in the promotion department doing mechanicals. It was like the low of the low. Mm. And I met a really cool woman, Paula Greif, and she was the art director of the magazine. And that's where all the cool people were. And she said, what do you do here? And I said, I do mechanicals. And she said, come see me tomorrow. And she she said, do you design? I said, no. And But I showed her my portfolio. She's like, okay, this is exactly the person I want. Because designers have this kind of, uh, not uh, like kind of uh, taste, Helvetica, gray, black and white. And I didn't fit that. You know, I was going to CBGBs when I was at, <laughs> at Cooper Union. You know, I was, I was like, I loved, you know, the Ramones, Patti Smith, uh, you know, all of them. So yeah. I didn't fit that good taste scene, which Cooper Union was. It was Swiss design. And that, that's why I didn't study design there. because. I thought design was conceptual art. Paula Greif introduced me, you know, after a year to Marvin Israel, who changed. Mm. Marvin was so great, so talented and so funny. And he sort of just kidnapped me. You know, he was like, uh, I started doing freelance for him. So I started, I, the first project I did for him was Alexei Gradovich uh, poster. Mm. And he was like, uh, this has to go to Paris. He, he was so crazy because he was like so. He was so um, um, automatic, you know, like intuitive. Mm. Like he, I meet him and and I'm in Paula's you know fancy office and he takes out this poster and it's all folded from his pocket and he says this has to turn into a poster, and it's got to be to Paris in two weeks. And I was like, this is so weird. My sister worked for the airlines and she she just called me and said, I have two tickets to Paris. Do you want to go with me? And I was like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> so anyhow, I, I made this poster with Marvin um, while I was moonlighting at Mademoiselle. Mm. Uh, it was pretty fantastic. And, uh, you know, he I just watched him because he, he designed like a painter, you know, pick things up. Smush them around. Hey, what year? What year was that? That this 19, happened? I'm sorry. That 1980. Yeah, 1980. Wow. You know, there was no computers in design. Not right. It, and at Mademoiselle, we did everything. Paula was really influenced by Matisse, uh, and so we did everything with cut paper and tape. And Marvin came in, uh, and he was like, "Yeah, how much do you want me to go into this story? It's like a great story." But I go, just go. I'm loving every minute of it. Okay, so he get, gives me this piece of junk, you know, that he had in his pocket. And and um, he uh, I spend the next day, all day Saturday, making, blowing it up. Because I really don't know what I'm doing. And so I, I go downstairs to the staff room and I'm uh, printing out pieces, like 11 by 14 pieces on the staff camera, you know, which you can use it to make, blow things up. And uh, this woman walks in, she says, cashmere sweater. She's just beautiful. And he looks at me, she says, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm I'm just doing some freelance for Myron Israel. I even say his name. <laughs> she looks at me and she goes, Marvin Israel. And I go, do you know him? She says, I'm Ruth Ansel. Ruth Ansel was Marvin hired her in the 60s at Harper's Bazaar to be his assistant. And she was the <laughs> art director of House and Garden, right? <laughs> and I thought she was going to say, oh, I can't believe you're doing freelance. And she's mm. like, so she, Marvin created her. You know, she was a kid out of school too, and he loved her. And so that's how I met Ruth. And she became a very good friend of mine. And I'm still really in touch with her. But the, the poster, I call Marvin because I tape it together and, I say, Marvin, you have to come here. This thing looks really great. And Marvin, you know, he loved collage. He used to hang out with Peter Beard and he did Peter Beard's big show at the ICP. And mm. he looks at this collage of tape things and it, he goes, uh, this is great. And he takes a, a Xerox that says Alexei Brodovich. And he says, go blow, blow this up on the Xerox machine. I say, you can't use Xerox as repro. And he goes, why? I can do anything. I, we can do anything we want. There's no laws. And I just love that. And then he, he the art department is all messy because no one had cleaned it. He picked up all little pieces of colored paper from 
our garbage on the floor and he stuck it on the poster. Mm. And then, and it, and then he took out, a, he had printed out um, layouts that Bradovich had made like Avedon layouts, Irving Penn layouts, Moncachi, Heunigan Hune, and he placed them on the poster. And he was like this, it, you know, we loved it. It was just so beautiful. So then, the next Monday, I go down to the stat room because there was like a room with like ten guys and big stat cameras. And I, I like they liked me because I was a worker kid. And I said, "Can you blow this up for me? You know, can you make a copy of it?" And and so I came down a couple hours later, and I was the guy says, "Shit, Charlie spilt um, coffee on this." <laughs> I was like going to die, right? So I call Marvin and I says, "Marvin." The guy spilled coffee on it. He goes, well, does it look good? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he was teaching me to be free. Yeah, and it, yeah. And it came out great. I, we went to Paris. We hung out in like this great photo studio, my sister and I. And they made a beautiful silk screen for a retrospective of Bradovich at the Grand Palais. Mm. So that was my, you know, I never heard of Bradovich. I never heard of Marvin. I didn't study magazine design so after that he kept calling me to to freelance for him and uh somebody offered him through avidon because he was very good friends with avidon uh uh art director job at called at uh, a magazine called the movies and it was a new startup and he would call me and say come on come have a um lima bean soup because he <laughs> he had ham sandwich and lima bean soup like every you know a diner's and he's like, I'm going to show you the office. I was like, I have a job. I'm very happy. And he was like, okay, just come see the office. And then I go in. He goes, oh, you want the window? And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want this job. I want a job. And he would not take no for an answer. And it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Because mm. He introduced me that we did that. And he introduced me to Avedon. And then I started freelancing for Avedon. And so it was just an amazing and he introduced me to all the people he loved. So mm. New York went from being a cold, scary place to a family. And mm. everybody I work with now, Jill Peraz, Neil Selkirk, Sylvia Plahi, I met them all through Marvin. Mm. Amazing. So he, yeah, he was a really great guy. So, uh, yeah, just do the, the, the putting yourself or being open to... Uh, those possibilities and then that whole world, but also the circumstance of, I mean, even like you're the salami, you're coming salami. It's just, <laughs> but you know, like that, like, I mean, it, it, the door is open for you because of those things. And, and you've showed up um, even in the times, like you said, when you didn't know what you were doing. And, and I, I, I was, uh, I, I have a, a photographic education background and and in my professional life like printing has always been sort of like an easy kind of crossover and those days like all the talk of the old ways of mechanicals and doing things and then having that knowledge and, and seeing the transition from you know hand you know like old analog world to digital it's just i i I, I was picturing being in that room with the coffee spilling on the, on the, on the posters. So, but, and, and, but that also that, that, that freedom, like you said, just like, does it look good? Let's, let's use it. That's, that's just a wonderful, just a wonderful atmosphere. And, and to, to be connected with somebody like that, to open, you know, open you in, you know, on entry into that world is just really wonderful. I do want to, can we, Let's talk a little bit about photo books in particular. Um, when you said Marvin Israel, um, Diane Arbus jumped into my head. And I do know that um, you have experience working on uh, Arbus books and also exhibit, which I'm oh, curious, yeah. I'm curious about. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, because this is generally a, a photography focused podcast. Um, the photo books. Uh, I actually interviewed Joan Lifton in my yeah. first season. She was one of the first like I love form, her. formal interviews that I had. And I reached out to her. My my original interest was in Charles Harbert's work. Yeah. 
and and connected with her and she was just so lovely and and her work really uh, like was sort of unexpected for me uh and i know that you worked with her and then there's uh edward keating uh you worked on his main street book which is fantastic as well so um hence my desire to talk to you what is it about photography book tell me about the process like uh obviously you have a connection with photography as you describe just tell me about the process of like work like how does it happen and somebody comes to you how does this how does how do you go from that first connection to making a photo book okay so Sylvia Plahi, I worked at the Village Voice. We, I uh, did a uh, fashion magazine in 86. So I got to be very good friends with Sylvia. And Aperture asked her to do her uh, unguided tour. I don't know if you remember the fabulous. Absolutely. I love that series. Yeah. So she came and she was my first book, photo book that I designed. No, the first photo book was a small book I did for Lori uh, Simmons. But mm. That was very but it was just one, it was one concept. It was pretty simple because it was 32 pages staple back. But this was my first big photography book with captions, text. And Sylvia is fantastic because she is so prolific. She makes so many great images. And she would come every week with a box of Xeroxes. Boom. And put them. And we'd start to um, I learned how to pair images together I'll, I'll tell you the process but with sylvia you know she would put two pictures together and we'd look at them and go wow that's it really is interesting when you put images together it usually works it doesn't work and i was trying to do it and she'd go no 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 and working with sylvia on that first book i learned how to pair images mm. How I always approach things now is it later on when I worked with Gilles Perez is and with Marvin had taught me this. I you learn how to do it's like pairings, and then there's movements, there's sequences, and then there's movements. And there's different movements. So I work from small images and we I edit. So photographers will come in sometimes with like I swear to God, 2,000 photographs. Like when I worked with Pete Souza, he had so many photographs, you know, from the Obama days. He had so many photographs. So so the first thing you do is you edit. And I work with small prints. You can't. I do it at maybe sometimes on Bridge where I bought four-star things, but I always, you know, get it out of the machine. Mm-hmm. It's on the table. And I'll... Uh, you know, first we'll talk about a, the concept of the book or the initial concept of the book and then use that as a, a jumping ground. So I, I am very tactile. I'll have all my images and it's like, if you don't like it, turn it over. You know, the image, don't like it, turn it over. And then you get a couple. Then you start to make pairs of things that talk to each other. Then after you make pairs, you look at the table and at big tables, I have three doors on Ikea uh, sawhorses. Mm-hmm. And then I put them in strips. Uh, like, I, I'll make a movement. Like, and we'll just make up crazy shit. Like, uh, um, uh, dark sequence, you know, early morning. Haha, uh, I'm in love. Like, it's just crazy as shit. Like, you know, it's just these these phrases and you start to put them together and then I use packing tape. I call it books on tape and I, <laughs> I tape the movements and I have them all hanging everywhere. I Then I go to the computer and my assistant or myself or whoever will take the images and put them in the sequence. It, and then it goes back in the, in the machine. Then we make little thumbnails. So it's really like film. Mm-hmm. It's at the steam back. In school, you put this here, you put that there. And I, it, yeah, and so it's it's really like film. And I say it's paper cinema, which I actually have a son who's a filmmaker and he's using that LLC, paper cinema, because I feel like my books are cinema. It's, it's they're films. So then we work. And then after that, it goes back. And then I look on it in the small, it's like the blueprint. Mm-hmm. It, then 
I make adjustments, then it goes back in the machine. Then I print it out and I learned this from Marvin. I printed out uh, spread for eight and a half by 11, cut it out and I paper clip it together because the book must keep, be fluid because you flip through. And as soon as your, your eye is smarter than your head, and as soon as you see something and your eye goes, you know, it's not good. So you have, if you taped it or glued it, you're too lazy. You're not going to change it. So you have to keep it fluid. You take the paper clips out really quick and you switch it. And you do that for, for hours and hours and days and, and weeks. And I think that's what really resonates a soul is when you get uh, a series that sings. It goes on another level. And photography books, not like painting. Painting, you need texture. Mm-hmm. You know, sculpture, you need to walk around it. But photography books, you can talk to people. It's a democratic medium. And the black is right there. The grays are right there. You can smell it. You can lick it. And it's not like in a, in a museum where there's glass between you and the thing. I mean, I worked with Abaddon when he did in the American West. Mm. Marvin's idea to just, uh, um, they, they stuck them onto aluminum. And there was no glass in front of it when it was in Texas. And the museum went crazy. Like somebody's going to sneeze on it. Abaddon was like, so let them sneeze, you know, so, but so, so a photo book, it's right there and it's like 50 bucks and you can have an intense conversation with this book. And I I just think photographs are such emotional slices of life that, and, and when they're great, you could look at them forever. It's, it's just something. I, I, that, that description was that's gold to me. It was so wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. That I mean, that was just the the wow, I don't even know where to start. The paper cinema is it's like just my heart was singing because that's it's 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 and and I've 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 done my own self-publishing photo books and knowing just like you know the challenges and and uh and that's me attached to my own work. I find yeah. it interesting yeah. that you are describing the process with someone else's work, but with such specific uh, attention and emotional attachment to it that it just goes like, I, 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 it's almost hard to believe that someone would take on someone else's work and 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 own it in in the way that you described. It's actually um, really inspiring to hear that. I love to edit. It's just you know, and everything I, about everything about like you said, like the the like the holding the object in your your hand and and spending time with it. Um, and that um, I'm actually curious, and there is a couple of specific books that I want to ask you about, but you know, the, how even, so you're, you're, you're talking about the sequence and the time and, and, uh, and then ultimately you're going to press, it's going to be printed. There's decisions, paper, there's, deci- uh, you know, uh, even where you're going to print it, uh, the binding, the, the design, which, you know, uh, aside from the sequencing, you know, uh, obviously, like the unguided tour book, I remember that because even the the, the cover was just so. I got to make that in ten minutes. Because <laughs> I, I love wood type, and mm. I go to southern Italy, and I got all those posters from the street, and I I ripped it, and 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 I made the collage first, and then conformed the type later. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Just fantastic. I love it. So tell me a little bit about then like those, uh, because uh, obviously you're, so you're making the choice of, of uh, paper choice binding where it's printed. I make it. Okay. So I make it with the photographer always because I have all these paper sample books and there's paper that's hard and very calendared and colder. There's paper that's softer and, and more spongy and it's lighter because there's more wood in it. So it's 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 really interesting. The other one has more minerals in it. So you look at the person's work, and um, I I we feel books all the time. Like we'll feel paper. Like I remember when I did the Arbus Revelations with uh, Dune Arbus. I love working with her. 
they sent us all different paper and we got it. And she said, close your eyes. And we had to feel the paper. I swear to God, we had to go like this. We felt with our fingers, you know, the paper. And then we picked out two and then we sent up, um, you know, 10 images there uh, to the printer and they did press proofs because the paper could feel great, but you see the images on it, you know, if you're going to use a warm PMS gray or cool gray with a warm paper, it's just fascinating. So mm. I always tell my doctors, just invest in yourself. You want to get two press proofs uh, and, and, um, I, and printers, you can't assume everybody's crazy and nuts about precision and being a perfectionist because they're not. So in the 40 years I've been doing this, I have my favorite printers. I have Meridian in Rhode Island, Danny Frank, who I love, I love. And he gets it. He gets mm. everything. He knows I'm crazy. He's crazy too. I have uh, Rafficom. I have two, you know, EBS and Verona. I speak Italian. So I go there. I've never been to China, but, you know, I don't speak Chinese. So how mm. am I going to, you know, how am I going to communicate? You know, I know how to say Pionedo, which is more black, you know, <laughs> Pionedo, Pionedo. You know, I love it. I love going, I love going on press because it's the last five, the last 3% where you can make really the book sing, mm-hmm. you know, so, so you do your homework before you get everything proofed, you get perfect you know, you get your digital files perfect. You make perfect match prints. You get a, a press test. Uh, you go on press. And and it's it's the whole thing. And that's what makes a book really exquisite. Mm. You, every single detail. The head and tail bands. I love it. The typography. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. And the, 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 so on a, on a, on, so you're on press, you're on a press check. Are you with the photographer generally at that point? or If they, like Gene Pagliuso came, like I did, uh, you know, um, Ed Keating, you know, like I, I went to Bologna and I had, you know, three photographers come, like every three days a different photographer came. And it was just, it was just amazing. Amazing. Oh, the, and Bologna, those were printed in Bologna. I have a great Damiani. Mm-hmm. Yeah the guy who runs the press and you know it's just great so it's a collaboration from start to finish yeah wow so like there are a million things i wanted to ask you about i I, so i want to know about this uh the paolo uh pellegrin concertina book yes uh because um i really need to know like how you it was what 62 feet yeah, it's really beautiful. Oh, that's such a great story. Tell me about it because I'm like, I like I I need to know how you did it. Um and then in 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 light of how you described uh your sequence, like I'm almost imagining like you had like your taped photos or you know to for the sequence, but like the the, the concertine like how did how did you do that? <laughs> okay. So so Paolo he was coming to, to New York. And I was on 19th Street, and uh, I was in an old, a, a old carriage house on, on 19th Street for like 25 years. So he was coming to New York, and he's like, and January is pretty dead. So I was like, this is great. We can just work on your book for like three weeks straight. So he's, he always puts his people smack in the middle. And he's like, I don't want to deal with the gutter. I'm so tired of the gutter. I, and he came up with the idea. He said, I want to do a concertina book where there's no gutter. It's just a fold. So I, I was like, that is a great idea. So we came and we we laid it out on the floor and did our sequence, just like it's a book, you know, because we lay it out flat. And then, you know, we taped it all together, but we worked on the sequence tons a lot. And I, my, my uh, assistant, Bonnie, who I still work with, I love her, she had... Oh, the year before, I think we did some work with Paolo and she had kept one of his dog pictures. It was a Xerox and she put it in her on the cover of her notebook and it got all scratched. And uh, Paolo looked down at it and she, he said, oh, my God, that's my dog. But it's so beautiful. It's like all scratched and disheveled. So he's like, so he, 
But he's like, what happens when we scan that for the cover? And so we scanned that and it was just so beautiful. And we decided to use that for the cover. Mm. And then I love that book because the inside has the two people running and it's uh, near the um, border and, and um, you know, the Mexican-American border. And we, I put the two little people right in the, in the spine and the spine was like two inches because the concertina, you only print on one side. Mm. sometimes you could print on two but so we printed it at ebs they did a great job printing but then uh they sent us five dummies and they the accordion was done by hand and it was wiggly wobbly and we were like oh shit this is terrible and we went crazy and we called them and said stop whoever's binding it is not doing a good job and we don't want to do this so um, Jonathan at EBS contacted a, a fantastic, um, the best uh, binder. And this man, I forgot his name, but he passed away. But he had invented a machine that in, they, they usually use like a strip. They will glue a strip of like about an inch to the back with like overlap. So this guy came up with, he, he glued an entire page to the back of a page. Mm-hmm. So like every 16 pages, that 16 page was thicker and he, it was done perfectly by machine. Mm. Uh, when we saw that, it was like, that's great. So we, we went with that and um, it's a really, it's like such a, a moving book. Yeah. And I saw your video on your website where you're just <laughs> walking down the street and extending so yeah so all right so the the you you answered my question as far as the overlap of so they're basically 16 pay uh 16 pages with the folds and then a page stuck to another page um and for forever and ever <laughs> right and it's small so we could get like a lot of pages per a strip of a sheet yeah and how many copies of that thing did you I think they made a thousand and they are completely sold out. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, as I was perusing your website and looking at the books that you've worked on, I'm like, oh, I would love to get a copy of that. And then like, you know, the most of them are hundreds of dollars because they're out of print or. Yeah. So, um, well, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, your Diane Arbus work. Uh, I know that you. uh was the revelations was that the project you worked on yes i i worked on it, uh, several of them the the last uh, book we did for the zwerner gallery was documents but uh the biggest book that i worked on um was revelations i had worked with dune she had asked me to do unguy um untitled the the last body of work that Arvis did in mm-hmm. uh yet at, uh, you know, and, and that was, you know, I thought, oh gosh, it's going to be easy to use one picture per page, but boy, was it hard. But that's when I really got in the groove with Dune and we worked great together. So when the big revelations um, exhibit and book, uh, you know, this was, I was like six years later, ha- happened, she asked me to be the designer and it, it was uh really great and intense because it was not only a book but it was a book and an exhibit and i'd never done exhibits before Mm. this was really huge so we i um, went to that i I went to that show it's at the met i believe right yes yes it opened at sf moma and then it went down to count um la lacma and then i think the walker and then it came to um to New York. No, not the walk. It went to California. No, it went to Texas. And then it went across the USA in like big trucks, you know, (laughs) that no one would say where they were because it was millions and millions of dollars worth of material, you know, original work and photographs. So it was really like espionage. It was great. And then it went to the, the Met, which was a thrill. Because we were in, we didn't want to be in the photo area. We didn't want to be in the photo exhibition room. We want to be with the paintings. Mm-hmm. And um, Jeff Rosenheim 
got it. So we were upstairs with the paintings and it was mind blowing. You know, we had to build that octagonal room that when you walk in, you know, we had them build that everywhere they built it. But the mat, not only did they build it, but they put like five layers of wood cornices. So it looked like it was originally always there. And so it was really a class act. It was, it was kind of great. So I'd love to hear more about like, so did it originally your participation originally start as just the book project and it then led to the exhibit or like, no, it it was all together, you know? And so, um, the, you know, I was going to be the art director for everything, even like we designed, uh, postcards and they were like, we called it, um, sublime merchandise. You know, we got pencils with Arbus's quotes on it. And so everything that had to do with Arbus, I was the art director and the, and my team was the design team. So it, it started out, Dune and I would um, meet every Thursday for four hours. So it was a year of Thursdays and we'd go to a, cl- a cold storage on the Upper West Side. We'd have our coats, we'd have our flashlight um, loops, you know, to, to mag- magnifying loops with the flashlight in it. <laughs> like from the fifties because Arbus shot at first, she shot 35 millimeter. Mm. And so you couldn't just look at them with your bare eye. So we would go through and, you know, she, Arbus did not mark her contacts, no X's, no circles, no grease pencils, nothing. So there were just virgin clean contact sheets. And the first day I was like, I was shitting in my pants. Like how, what happens if I wrong once? <laughs> totally. So, I know it was really scary. So I picked a couple, we made notes. We got to the third contact sheet and June said she went to the bottom of the box and she took out a piece of paper and it was notes from Marvin. Marvin on sheet number three, I picked my three choices that I liked. And she said, oh, Marvin picked two of your three choices. So it was like, that was it. I was in. Marvin, he was dead already, you know? Yeah. And and it was like, so I got more relaxed. Dune trusted me. And we went through 6,000 rolls of film. It was, and we could only do four hours at a time. After that, we couldn't do it anymore. We picked images that Arbus had never printed never never picked yeah you know amazing the, the so that it's it's interesting to me because the it seemed like before that exhibit there was sort of the the body of work or her her you know through several books uh, but there, I think there was familiarity maybe with the body of like her, her creative output. Yeah. And then, to, but that book, the revelations book and show apropos of its title did it, it was, there was things that it's just so surprising to have to see those unearthed, I guess, for the first time. And, but you were actually like, yeah, we're uh, I was yeah. digging, you know, and it was really great. So, so like the boxes, the contact sheets would come down, like the man in the car would come and he would deliver them by hand to my, to me. And I would bring them, walk them upstairs. And um, my studio was the same uh, two carriage houses. And Neil Selkirk had the front and his dark room was downstairs and he prints all of Argus. So I'd give them to my assistant and she would, she would scan each of the choices that we made. And then the man would come at night and take the box back to the storage, you know, to the warehouse. Like, uh, yeah, it, de- it definitely sounds like, like you mentioned earlier, like an espionage uh, yeah, yeah, it was project. so cool. And I couldn't tell anybody we were working on it. And wow. It was, yeah. how, how hard was that? <laughs> well, it wasn't like a big secret, but I couldn't go, bl- you know, you don't blabber, you know, yeah. you're you know, it's not like it was secret what we were doing because we were working on the book and the show. Yeah. But, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was exciting. But 
what was so great is that I followed Barbas from her in her eyes out, you know, and, and, and she, holy smokes on one, you know, one, she, uh, it was early on. She's photograph, you know, she's photographing, um, uh, transvestite performance mm. club, half of the, and then the other half is an autopsy. Wow. So it's like, wow. So who is the person, the cutting and taking away or the putting on of the, the makeup, the wigs. And it was really mind blowing. And, and like another context, she, she, you know, dunes in the bathtub and then she, Arbus is on the street with a woman with a, like a great 19, you know, fifties hat and with the white gloves. And then another, sh- another role she's at Hubert's, you know, same role. She goes to Hubert's, you know, flea circus. So it was really beautiful. Like she didn't shoot a lot, but when she did, there were killer images. Like one sheet. Within, yeah. Images. Within like one role of film. One, sheet. Yeah. one role, you know? So, so that was really, that was really, um, that was really moving. And yeah. I figured her B pictures, her C pictures are better than anybody's A pictures. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah which is, that's, that's interesting too, because I think uh, something that obviously gets lost in the sort of the digital world is that uh, mm-hmm. the value of, of shooting a roll of film, but actually like seeing that contact sheet and, and seeing how the photographer approached a subject that, the, those, those frames that are before and after the sort of the the winner of 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 the lot there, but also to see, I remember seeing uh, there was the big Robert Frank making of the Americans exhibit also uh-huh. at the Met, I believe, and um, studying his contact sheets from from that project, and several times there were like two iconic photos that made it into the book that were on the same roll of film. And to be that, I mean, not even that successful, I guess is a way to put it, but like you're just in the group. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you're, you're looking at, you're, you're looking at the evidence of it through the contact sheet could get the creating more of the context of of what was going on. Um, And like you described, I could imagine like, Oh, she was here and then she moved on to this other subject within the same role of film. That's crazy. Then she's on the bus, you know, the great picture on the bus. You, you know what, what was really amazing? So you're like, a, you know, you're like a, a dip, you're on a dig, archaeological yeah. dig, you know, and we found this one contact. It became the cover of the book and the big poster outside the museum. She had run her uh, roll through, it was 35 still inadvertently and create and made mistake double exposures. So the first week we looked at this one role, we saw her eyes and this blonde woman in central, uh, no, in uh, Times Square. And we were like, holy shit. Dude's like, that's her eyes. That's her eyes. You know? And, and so then we said, like, oh, this is great. So we made a note. And then the next week, dude said, let's look at that contact sheet again. Well, whoever, you know, that she was working with her husband doing the fashion shoots then and whoever, or I don't know if they were still doing fashion then, I'm not sure, but her assistant in the darkroom um, processed the film and he just cut it, you know, here, right under her nose. Mm. And the, the, next, well, the next week we looked at it and the second part of her face, her mouth down was three rolls, three strips over. Mm. We were like, holy shit. So we we just like put it together. Yeah. And said, and we put that in the book because we didn't want anybody to think, and it's like perfect. It's her whole face. There's a man screaming with a American flag, like here. It says Manhattan on her nose. And there's a blonde. And that became the cover. Amazing. So we put the contact sheet in the book with like a, a rubber stamp finger one half and the other half over on the top because we didn't want anybody to think we did photoshop nonsense yeah you know? this was real so the only yeah. thing we did is i had my retoucher just take out the cut line yeah and became the cover of the book and it was it just appeared 
it almost a metaphor for the project really in, in a lot of ways because you're like you're you're going through you're finding you're finding like this evidence but then piecing it together to get a complete picture yeah uh, and if we didn't say let's look at that contact sheet again we wouldn't have put because one was all the way on the left side and one was all the way on the right side of the contact sheet we amazing. wouldn't have put them together yeah you know? Can you tell me a little bit about, I, I, I'm trying to recall being at the exhibit. Was there either a recreation of her dark room or some like yes. wall element? Um, is, is that, am I remembering that correctly? So, so what happened was Duna and I both said, when we like to go, when we go to galleries or museums, we just like to look. We don't want anybody telling us stuff, blah, 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 blah. No. We want to look. So we came up with the concept. We're going to do rooms that you just look. You just look at the photographs. Like we had minimal, uh, you know, placards because Arbus had great titles. Like mm. you know, Jazz Vestite and Curlers. And like her, they were so matter of fact, they were great. But we didn't want any, you know, talk. So then we thought we'll make these three libraries. And it was the first library, the second library, the third library was... Uh, like her life story. And it was, and from, I was inspired. I remember, you know, years ago going to uh, um, Jackson Pollock's house and his studio, mm. walking through his house and seeing his jazz albums on the floor and seeing, and seeing his pots and pans and then going out to his uh the barn and seeing the splatters of paint on the floor of all his great paintings and, and like the cheap paper he used because and the cheap paint was still there because he didn't have any money. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, it just blew my mind. And so then I tucked that away. And then also going to Delacroix's house in, in Paris and his studio where there was still paint and brushes, dirty brushes there. And, so all of this stuff comes in and like going to the crater. This was like 30 years ago. We went to the Los Alamos Museum and what museum? It was like a shack and mm. things were taped to the wall, stapled, you know, their ID cards. It was just makeshift. Yeah. And all of those things I we wanted, uh, you know, I told Duna about it. She like loved it. So we wanted to have like this tactile feeling in this room so we had her collection of books and that room that one library we would build we we rented a space in one of the warehouses in Chelsea and we'd go there with all her books and we la laid them all out we wow. laid the whole third library out either at my studio or at the warehouse and we were so Working so intensely on this, it was crazy. One night in the warehouse, Dune and I forgot to leave, and they locked us in the warehouse. <laughs> and I screamed so loud because I was panicked. Like my family's gonna think I'm dead. And Dune looked at me like, "Wow, you screamed loud." And I, I had a cell phone, didn't work. Dune, it was dead. Dune didn't have a cell phone, but it was so intense. So we built this third library and one of them, one of the, the center, we decided Neil Selkirk had Arbus's uh, enlarger. Mm. So he, he made a copy of the uh, Jewish giant and that always was shining through. And the, the walls in her, uh, I made a collage based on these, a collage that was over her bed uh, when, she, in, when she lived in Westbeth. So, and that was done with magnets uh, and then they just put plexiglass on it. So I, I built it there and then they shipped that all over the world. But that was really important because they was like, okay, now we're going to dig. We're mm -hmm. going to look. We had original contacts and I, we wanted, Marvin taught us this thing when I was in the dark, when I was in the art department with him, I worked with him at a, a magazine called the movies. He would make collages and he'd put glass on it and it would smash down all the, the stuff. So your collages were like beautiful. They were like smashed down. So we were like, we want it, but smashed down glass right on top of the stuff. And the curators at SF MoMA said, you, you can't do that. The, the 
the prints will get destroyed. And dude said, they're my prints. I don't care. You know, yeah. so we did that. You remember the counters? And they were yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we built those all in my studio using Xeroxes. And then we got color Xeroxes made. My assistant would go down to the color Xerox store, and, <laughs> like even bring the notebooks with her, you know, to yeah. the bathroom. You know, yeah, because when still so, so that was, those libraries were really, really rich and beautiful. Yeah, and that book alone is—it's to me. I mean, you know, the, her the the first monograph that you know oh, everybody, yeah. that that you were just referring to, obviously, that's a that's a sort of an iconic piece yeah, in that was, itself. That was Marvin. Yeah. Marvin. Right. Right. Was like that after she passed away. Right. Yeah. Right. And I had a similar experience. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a little bit younger than you, but, um, you know, I was taking like a photo one class in Dumont High School in the suburbs of Bergen County. And my photo teacher, who was an artist who was spending her like her personal time down in the village and kind of introducing us to that world. It was the same thing. It was this yeah. looking at those photos and knowing that like, you know, I, I always, I, 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 the, the, the term bridge and tunnel, I know has negative connotations, but I actually kind of take that as a badge of honor because we were, we're so close to that world and not in it, but you, like, you just described it. Like you're looking at that book and you're like, I'm over there. Like I could, you're pointing across the river. You see Empire State Building from, you know, my gym. Right. Know? Right. And then to see those photos and to know that that world exists. or, you know, like exists or yeah. existed, a version of it exists. But that to to and to me, that was like revelatory, you know, referring back to the, the title of the exhibit. But like like honestly, like a, a stone's throw away from where I was growing up in a nice little safe suburban neighborhood was this 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 other this other world yeah this other world and yeah thank yeah thank god thank god and i I am grateful that i i i I grew up there and was so close to it oh this is what's amazing uh new jersey was her exotica diane arbus went to the news colony in new jersey the uh, the i say insane asylum i think she's not supposed to say that anymore but you know, the home for, you know, mentally impaired. Right, right. Loved photographing them because they weren't posing. They were real. She loved them. You know, she would, she would, could be friends with them. But she used to go to Palisades Park. Do you remember Palisades? Of Music course. Park? Yeah, yeah. Day and After Dark, that's where I took the bus, the 22 Hillside, the Palisades Park to go swimming, and t- you know, my sister and brother. So here I am looking at a, a 35 millimeter, it's like 1963, 64, and she is on the 22 hillside, leaves Port Authority. She takes a couple of shots in New York. She's on the bus. She goes to Palisades Park, photographs there. That was where she did the diaper derby, bearded, blah, blah, blah. blah. She's coming home. She's on the 22 hillside going home. She takes one picture. It's my corner, 66th Street and Brooklyn <laughs> Avenue. I'm looking at it. I scream and I fall on the floor. And dude's like, are you okay? I said, that's my corner where I watched all the parades. Wow. I went to Dittmar's pharmacy. There's a woman in there. It looks like my mother. It's not her, but it could be a stand-in for her. There's a guy in a Buick. Looks like my dad. He had wow. the same food. Could be him. But it didn't matter. That was my corner. At that point, that was the two sons. Marvin. And that, and I think, wow, this was meant to be. It was a spiritual moment. And I think, holy shit, I am so lucky. But I often think this shit happens to everybody, but no one's looking. But if you're in the groove, you pick up on these things and they're like, you can't make this stuff up. You can't. And when at the end, Dune said, everybody that was involved got to get a print. You know, and I could have picked the hand grenade boy. And I said, I want my mother. I want my corner. 437 66th Street. Wow. And and they printed it for Yo and only Yo. You know, it was printed by uh, Amy Arbus. And I love it. It's in my living room. And it, it's just really super special. So mm-hmm. 
New Jersey was her exotica, and I, and I, and and also you know out in Coney Island. Sure, yeah, that yeah, and actually, <laughs> like a weird sort of pseudo connection to all of this, and to to reinforce your 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 point. Uh, I had a, a classmate in college, and uh, he like knew the the twins, the the famous. <laughs> Because I think it was like Roselle, New Jersey, or something. Right. And uh, and so, <laughs> just like, I mean, obviously they were much older by time you know he knew them, but it, it's just it's like, oh yeah, I know the the Arbus twins, and we know I could say that, and everyone knows what exactly. what the, that image is. So, uh, well, uh, those are the, that's magic right there. Yeah, it really. That's what makes living living. Yeah. You know, that's what it's all about. So, well, I think actually, like, I, I could probably BS with you for hours, but uh, respecting your time, and this might actually be a good kind of point to wrap things up. Yo, thank you so much for taking time out and talking with me. And uh, I, I was your, your, your passion for your work is inspiring and infectious. So thank you so much. Great. Thanks for reaching out. Absolutely. All right. Take care.